Welcome to Full Court Press on Missouri Women's Basketball. Welcome into episode number six of Full Court Press on Missouri Women's Basketball. I'm Cameron Connor, joined as always by Columbia, Missouri and beat writers Nate Marcus and Shannon Belt. Guys, before we even get into the, the game and the recap and the uh, little bit of disappointment, um, yeah, to, to say the least, how was how was the overall trip to Nashville? You guys got to go still, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so how was the how was the drive? How was how was Nashville, Shannon? I know it was your first time. How'd it go? Any stories? I had a lot of fun, except. Uh... When we went to Hattie B's, I opened like the little sauce packet that they had, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't think about opening it away from me, so mm-hmm. I opened it and I was wearing a white shirt. Saw and, that on Twitter. Yeah, it <laughs> all uh, that shirt might be ruined. It's we tried to oh, get no. the stains out of it today. We're washing it and doing laundry, but yeah. that shirt might be uh, it might be over for it. Okay. The Nashville hot chicken was good, though, wasn't it? It was good. Yeah, I was that about made to it say, a little bit better. Was the sandwich at least good? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've had it before. Yeah, it's love it. it, it some people don't have. A palate for spicy things so they don't like it as much i think they can learn to have a hot palate for spicy things because that sandwich is delicious <laughs> i was the only one who had a, a hot palate though I, they I, I, out. I could have turned it up a lot i got mild i didn't want to not enjoy my food i could turn <laughs> i could have turned it up one for sure i'm disappointed in myself it's okay it's okay you know like there's there's i'm sure it's not gonna be the last time you're there so there's there's always next time that, that's one of the best things about it was uh how long were you guys there uh, got there Wednesday night and left Friday morning. Okay. So we didn't have to drive home after they lost, which was really nice. Okay, Beautiful. That, is, that is really nice. And hopefully that means you got to enjoy Nashville just a little bit more that evening, especially after the performance from Missouri Women's Basketball, which now we can jump into it. Now that we have your story <laughs> and, your, and your woes, it was, uh, it was a missed opportunity. I think that's probably one yeah. of the best ways to describe it. I, I don't really... When you have a talented Arkansas team who their top scorer is struggling, their best player in Ramirez is heavily struggling and you can't capitalize on that, and then what happens in the second half, it was just, it was kind of tough to see. It was, uh, yeah, it was, neither team could play offense. I mean, (laughs) you felt it like that they were shooting in an unfamiliar gym and tipping off at noon, or 11, sorry. I mean, it, was no, it, was it was noon. It was, it was noon. Yeah. It was noon. So you felt that as soon as the game started, I think Arkansas made their first three, and then they didn't score again until after the media timeout in the first quarter. And it was just like, and then Mizzou wasn't scoring obviously, and it was just like, okay, this is what this basketball game is going to be. It should yeah. be a fun one. It was weird because it was almost kind of similar to their last time they played Arkansas. Arkansas at home, where they were doing well as well as they could have, given both teams were struggling. In the first half, and then that that second half, that third quarter just killed them. I think they only scored like nine points. Like mm-hmm. it, it was it was really bad. That's where things started to kind of crumble. Don't want to get too lost in the statistic weeds, but for people out there that don't really understand the over the overwhelming amount of bad offense in this game, <laughs> each team. So there was sixty six shots from Mizzou, or sixty seven shots from Mizzou, sixty six for Arkansas. Of those, there ended up being 104 total rebounds between both teams because there was a lot of rebounds to grab. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. Mizzou shoots 29% or almost 30% from the field, 27.3% from Arkansas. Yeah, it was just, it was ugly, like, like you guys said, especially in that first half. And going down through that stretch, third quarter was a killer, but you knew that it was something that the team could at least, you know, get back from, build from, which they did. They end up forcing it to overtime. 
But it was very clear and very evident in a lot of ways that outside of Haley Troop, which she had probably her best game all season, like they, they needed yeah. more from their players. That game should not have gone overtime. I don't think so. I, <laughs> I, I watched the replay of Troop's game-tying basket because I like was scrolling on Twitter like during like the commercial breaks and stuff, and she got away with a little bit of a push-off. I don't mind the non-call from the ref mm-hmm. given the situation, but just like that, and then I thought Amber Ramirez's floater was going to bank in, I and mean, it went off the backboard, rimmed out, and it was like, oh, wow, new lease on life kind of, and as we know, they did not take advantage of it. They definitely didn't, and like you said, they needed they needed more from their their better players. You know, thank God for Haley Troop. I mean, without her, they would have been screwed, and that's kind of saying a lot when you have like Haley Frank out there, who she just it was one of those games. Like we've talked about before, it's kind of like she has those games where she's gonna shoot a lot and it's gonna go well, or she's gonna shoot not a lot and it's gonna go not well, and that's exactly what we kind of seen. That's one of the things looking at Haley Frank this whole season. How I think we've mentioned it in every single podcast now about Frank when she has the capability to be so much more offensively. And sometimes I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's some sort of offensive scheme where they start to run it and maybe she doesn't feel as comfortable in it. But there are so many times when she will either go off for maybe like two or three games in a row where she's in minimum double-digit scoring, looking consistent, looking comfortable, and then you'll have kind of that pinnacle drop that's almost a 90-degree angle just flat down. <laughs> yeah. I think on uh, Thursday it was Sasha Goforth, the forward from Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, Mike Neighbors and Amber Ramirez were very complimentary of her after the game <laughs> and talking about how great of a defender she was. And she really did a nice job of running Frank off the three-point line, lo- using her athleticism to not let her get to the back. I mean, it was just like Haley Frank was comfortable the whole day, uncomfortable the whole day, and Goforth blocked three shots. So, yeah. I mean, it was Arkansas defended her very well. But when that happens, you need someone else to step up, and Mama Dembele and Lauren Hansen combined to shoot two of 18. Yeah, that's another. Lauren Hansen is another one who kind of, she'll just go, yeah. It just is like she, we know she could shoot just as well, just like a little bit, not as well, but just as well as Haley Frank. But then she just, it just won't hit. I don't know what it is. It's just like, She'll have like a wide open three, but it just won't be in rhythm or it's too hard or it's too short. And she, I don't know what it is. And then she gets into her head then she begins to foul. Then they take her out. And then that's kind of like the gist of what happens to her. So it's, it's rough to watch. A good thing to see if we're going to talk about some optimistic notes, Ladeja Williams did pick out, pick up a lot of the rebounding slack. She had a very prominent double double when you're talking 14 points, 13 rebounds. That was Definitely some effort from the rebounding end that they needed that was left in absence from Asia Blackwell. Now that she didn't get rebounds, she got eight boards. We can dive into that in a second, but it was good to at least see how comfortable they can be when they finally get Asia Blackwell out there or if they get Asia Blackwell out there in a more consistent setting than, you know, 11 minutes. Mm. So that that was good to see. But no, to your guys' points, shooting was just not there tonight. It wasn't there for either team, and especially when Ramirez picked it up in the second half because she was scoreless, correct, in the first half and then ended up scoring 17 throughout the second and also through overtime, yes? Yep. Yeah, that's uh, – you can't ask more defensively, really, especially when, yes, she ended up catching fire. Not necessarily fire. She ended up getting to the point offensively where Ramirez needed to be. Lost opportunity. That's – yeah. Not trying to beat a dead horse, but that's that's really what it is there in that setting. Looking at Asia Blackwell, in a lot of ways, you can argue in a really funny sense she had her most proficient game of the season because in 11 minutes, 
She had eight rebounds and five points, and they, obviously it's not her best game of the season. But if she were to go on that track for the whole season where she was scoring five points and having eight rebounds in 11 minutes, that would be a crazy stat line. That would be absolutely <laughs> insane. But, of course, it didn't play out that way. I'm uh, kind of conflicted on my personal opinion of like her 11 minutes because Robin Pynchon made a very fair point after the game. They won a couple big games without her. Mm-hmm. You know, when you only have one practice for a week, it's hard to reincorporate someone into an offense. That's all fair. But when you have five minutes to potentially save your season yeah. and or extend it, you know, it still might work out for them. We don't know. But when you have five minutes to potentially extend your season, you need your best athlete on the floor and your most like your biggest producer on the floor. And she sat on the bench. She stayed on the bench. Yeah, when you talk, like, game changers, like, who could come in and, like, truly impact the game, like, Haley Troop was that for them that night, but she's not typically. They're game changers, the one who's going to come in and really shift things. Are the two, you know, Haley Frank, Asia Blackwell. Haley Frank had one of those nights. Who else do you look for? She didn't look for her. It it It's baffling to me, and I I, I think that, you know, it is hard to reincorporate and it isn't fair to the players who did, you know, were at the multiple practices that Asia Blackwell probably did miss. But at what point does, you know, I don't know, how much punishment <laughs> should we do when your season is hanging in the balance? Yeah, program standards are great, but, you know, it's winning time. Yeah. Winning overtime in a winner-go-home <laughs> game. Kind of kind of branching off or expanding on that. The other point of it is, yes, Blackwell and company made mistakes, but that doesn't mean necessarily that the entire team should have to pay for it. Right. Because when you have been working so hard for that entire season, look, I get it. Sometimes coaches really want to stress morality over winning. I understand how that can be an extremely important thing, especially when you're trying to rebuild the relationships, the chemistry in your program. But like you guys said, when you have five minutes and oh. she is clearly by far and away your best player, She's got to be out there. And I'm assuming when you say the five minutes net, you meant the five minutes in overtime? Yes. I mean, funny thing her, was, pl- her playing 11 minutes in the game is also, yeah. you can debate mm-hmm. that if you want, but when you're in a tie game and you need to go win those five minutes, she needs to be on the court. Yeah. Yeah. She's a needed rebounder, a needed defender, and yeah. also when she's in the game around that post area, she's one of their most elite scorers on this team. <laughs> they were having tr- pr- trouble, as they've often had this season, even when she's been on the floor. She creates shots, yeah. and they weren't creating shots in overtime when, you know, they only scored four points in five minutes. They were barely, like, creating shots in the beginning. Like, they kept running out the clock, and it was just like this and that. But someone like Asia Blackwell could have just kind of rammed it into the paint. Where And then they started to kind of lose the rebounding match because they're gassed out. Mm-hmm. You know, they were doing a lot of a lot of work for not a lot of uh, – Result as far as offensive wise, like they were out rebounding them, but then it just flipped. I look at the stats and I'm like, oh, they're not out rebounding them anymore. I gotta take that out of the story. <laughs> but it just is something that I feel like they could have they could have definitely used her, especially in the last five minutes. The reason why we, you know, all of us talking about this cumulatively stress it so much too is because it's not like this was midway through the season. This was if you get this win, probably guaranteed tournament appearance, probably. Probably. Arkansas is in the last four buys right yeah. now. There's, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they're not going to play again, so they can't really drop from there. There's seven teams they're ahead of mm-hmm. in tournament field projection, projections. They're it. Yeah, and, like, they could have. And because they're not, now it's that teeter-totter. It's that 
I don't know, we were talking about it before we started recording. Do you guys give it a 50-50? What, what are you really saying? I'm seeing some where they dropped one spot. I'm seeing some where they're bought out. What's uh, what's the overall confidence level that we'll see them in the NCAA tournament? Right now, it's like just based on what I'm seeing, it's sort of hard to project. I, there's two teams, like so they're in the last four in. They're three. They're the second team of the last four in, so there's two teams below them. Villanova is one of the first four teams out in the projection. They play tonight at 7 against UConn. They win that game. They win the Big East title. They're in the tournament. One of those at-large teams is going to drop out. And then you have, you know, the mid-major tournaments happening this week. There's a bunch of leagues where there's only one team that's really quality enough to make the NCAA tournament where it's like the Missouri Valley Conference. Most state is got the best at-large resume. If they win the tournament, they're in. They're going to knock a team out. But then you have another league like the Atlantic Sun, where Florida Gulf Coast is the top 25 team in the country. They're clearly in the tournament. If they drop a game, that loses a spot in the NCAA tournament. So that would be potential for Missouri to drop out. So it's hard to call on Monday afternoon when Selection Sunday is six days away. Another thing that definitely didn't help the overall standpoint of this is, you know, Kentucky ends yeah. up beating South Carolina. That's like, that, that was... Yeah. Huge. That was massive when you're talking about implications because that was a matchup looking through this. I mean, you could probably look three weeks ago. You don't even have to look three weeks ago. You can look 10 days ago, and Missouri was above Kentucky in the standings, but they're on a 10-game win streak now. It looks like they have finally kind of manifested into that team they were supposed to be at the start of the season. They're going to make some noise. For sure. There's no other way to to put that. I shouldn't say, or you wouldn't say that South Carolina is still not – one of your overwhelming favorites to at least make an Elite Eight or a Final Four appearance. But whatever team's playing Kentucky, they got to watch out. Yeah. That definitely does not have, That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I, I was watching that game. I'm like, should I? Who am I rooting for? I don't even know because I just like to see. I kind of wanted Kentucky to win just because it's it's one of those kind of culmination stories. They were supposed to be good. They weren't good. Now they are good. So it was fun to watch, but uh, – I want to travel again <laughs> for any sort of March Madness stuff. It's it's not good for, for me and my travel plans. <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, Kentucky, like you said, was out of the tournament 9-11, and 11, three, four weeks ago, beginning of February. And now they have wins over three consecutive ranked teams in the SEC tournament, the number one team and maybe the number one pick in the WNBA draft. Yep. Is that what you want to face in the NCAA tournament if you're <laughs> right now they're projected to play South Dakota, but then it would be Baylor in the second round? Do you really want that? Uh, no. Hottest team in all of women's basketball. I don't. I don't think there's any other way to describe it here at the moment. But when we're turning back to the Mizzou clock here, it's the patience game. It's the waiting game. We yeah. nit inevitable. What's needed to happen is NCAA tournament. It's the waiting game. The hourglass is ticking out, and we're going to see if Missouri women's basketball can get in or not. But either way, this has been Episode 6 of Full Court Press on Missouri women's basketball. I'm Cameron Connor, Shannon Belt. And Nate Marcus. And we will see you guys when we see you with hopefully the news that every Missouri fan is waiting for. Thank you for listening to Full Court Press on Missouri women's basketball. Music by Pistol Jazz, produced by Cameron Connor.